Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They run in a strange program, y'all. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's Frank Morano. everyone this is the other side of midnight a program where we like to explore the unexplained the mysterious the unusual and for the better part of the last 60 70 years that those areas have included ufos what we used to call ufos what we now call uaps but something interesting has happened over the course of the last few years discussion about ufos and uaps has become mainstream. It's gone from being the domain of uh, pulp novels, comic books, late-night radio shows, and, uh, you know, uh, con artists, to becoming mainstream, to being covered by the CBS News, by New York Times, by 60 Minutes, by all sorts of other mainstream media outlets. But it's not just the media that is being the tip of the spear on the UFO disclosure movement, there are increasingly louder voices within the halls of government in Washington, D.C. Now, so much of what we've seen coming out of Washington, D.C. with respect to the UFO disclosure movement is due to the gentleman that is joining us right now. Stephen Bassett is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group and a leading advocate for ending the 65-year government-imposed truth embargo regarding extraterrestrials. He's kind enough to join us right now. Stephen, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hi, Frank. Stephen, um, we've spoken before about your background, but for people that haven't heard our previous discussions, how does one become sort of a a UFO disclosure advocate or a a UFO lobbyist, for lack of a better description? A UAP disclosure advocate or activist. It was a choice. I I wanted to get into something that uh, was compelling and I had interest in. I made that decision in 1995 and began my work in 1996 uh, to engage the issue politically because it was a political problem. It wasn't a science problem. Uh, the The reality of an ET presence to me had been proven all the way back in 47. So why wasn't it universally engaged in the schools, in the press, what have you? Because the government made a political decision to embargo this issue for national security reasons. Embargo it to the extent possible. Classified programs, classified documents, classified people, USAPs, things like that. But the ETs, of course, they don't obey the government. They go and do what they want and fly where they want. And so it's kind of a problem. And so it's been a very complicated situation now for 75 years. And and while I'm at it, there is a reason why we're using UAP now. It's taken a while to make this shift. Uh, A number of my colleagues 
have been working to help make this happen as I have. Maybe the moment that it it finally became formalized was when candidate Hillary Clinton went on Jimmy Kimmel and said, there's a new term now. It's called UAP. Why that? UAP and UFO mean exactly the same thing. Exactly. Unidentified flying object, unidentified aerial phenomena. That's plural, by the way. It doesn't need an S on the end. So why the change? The reason was simple. UFO, that acronym, became the centerpiece of the disinformation, ridicule, shaming process. In other words, you needed to shame the issue, so you pick that acronym, you throw a lot of shade on it, laugh at it, what have you, and then the moment that acronym is used by somebody, writing, talking, speaking, a name for a conference, whatever, in a book title, all that shame just immediately attaches to them. It, it's it's what I call, it's a term I came up with called the intellectual ghettoization of ufology. UAP doesn't have that legacy. It doesn't have all that shaming. And so by switching over, it made it easier for journalists, politicians, academics to refer to the issue without having to say UFO. They say UAP and people go, oh, yeah, UAP, fine. It's that simple. Uh, language is really important to activism. So anyway, I got into activism on this 1996. It's uh, 25 years later. The goal was to get disclosure from the United States president. Still hasn't happened. A little frustrated, not getting any younger. But I think this could be the year. Honestly, you do? Yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, very exciting. Now, I know a lot of uh, lobbyists. I have a lot of friends that are lobbyists on a federal level, on a state level. And generally, they work for somebody, whether it's uh, uh, Big Tobacco or a group that wants cleaner air or a group that wants charter schools. They, I'm curious, the Paradigm Research Group and your activism um, just so the audience knows, how is it funded? Where do you get your funding from? Is it through donors? Is it from one or two uh, people that are uh, that are pushing this agenda? Where does the funding for what you're doing come from? Everything I have done from the beginning was from support, was from contributions. And let me point out, I operate. That's going to change uh, this year. I'm going to convert Paradigm Research Group into a nonprofit 5013C, something I've wanted to do for some time. Now the timing is right. But I've been a sole proprietorship. In other words, PRG and me are the same. And the reason for that was that the issue is very controversial, as you know. Uh, and it's, you're literally challenging the state on the most classified secret in, in, endeared program that they have. And so by being a sole proprietor, I, had, I was, I was more, less vulnerable. When you're a 5013C and, and you have to satisfy certain government requirements, at any time they can come at you snatch away your status as a nonprofit and basically ruin you. So I did that, but now I'm going to convert. Um, but all of my work has been, I haven't sold it. The only thing I have sold in 25 years is tickets to six X conferences. Everything has been from people supporting my work because they feel fellow feel support. And what's your website? If people do want to continue that support. Paradigmresearchgroup.org. And you're an attorney, right? By trade. No, I'm not. Oh, you're not. And by the way, I am. I am. I am not a lobbyist who happens to be an activist. I'm an activist who happens to be registered as a lobbyist. I haven't had a chance to do much direct lobbying in all these years because who wants to talk to? Who wants to risk their political position and talk to somebody? Plus, I had no money to hand out. Right? I sure. couldn't donate to any candidates. But, but 
the the government's been on notice since 1996 that there is there's a lobbyist registered on this issue. It's like a it's like putting down a flag. Sure. Right? Now uh, it's very possible that my lobbying activity may intensify pretty soon because there's some really big things coming. But my activist activism covers a broad range of things. I've given education. I've done. 12, 13, 1400 interviews, probably more than any living person, living or dead, actually, on this subject. Lectures, I don't know, 70, 80, 90, 100, spoken around the world. Uh, websites, uh, held six conferences, held a mock congressional hearing. That's All of that is the activism. So the lobbying is kind of a hook, and I get it. There is now another group called the UFO, UFO PAC. They may have a registered lobbyist in that group. Uh, I believe MUFON may be about to hire a lobbying firm. So I'm not the only one anymore. Well, hey, uh, you had it that, only took 25 years. You had a monopoly for a while. People just tuning in. Yeah. We're talking with Stephen Bassett, uh, Paradigm Research Group. If you have questions, comments, thoughts, 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Especially if you're a UAP skeptic, I'd especially love to hear from you and have Stephen address whatever your questions might be. All right, Stephen. Uh, the National Defense Authorization Act passed by Congress right. uh, has created basically a new government office tasked with investigating UFO sightings. Tell us about this. How are you feeling about this? Apparently there's some division within the UAP disclosure movement about whether this is a positive thing. What exactly mm -hmm. is changing and what's your view of this change? Very complicated, Frank. I know our time is limited. Um, these are major developments, without question. Here's the best thing. I, here's the one thing I'd like to get across to your audience tonight. There are two ways to look at what's going on. For if you've been in the field a very long time, particularly if you've focused on the politics of this, as I have, you can look at it one way. If you're not familiar with the field that much, if you're just coming into it new, you're going to look at it a different way. Here are the two ways. Number one, uh, wow, something big happened in 2017. Some gun camera footage came forward, big New York Times articles. These people turned up, Christopher, Christopher Mellon, Louis Elizondo, other hotshots. They used to work for the CIA, blah, blah. Something really is happening here. Wow, maybe the government is actually maybe interested in this. And then uh, there's some political activity, and they call for a, a group to be formed, and they're going to they're going to report back to Congress and so forth. And so, one some people are looking at this and going, oh, well, oh yeah, okay, I guess the government uh, figured out there may be something here, and they they're going to react to it, and they're and they're assessing what happens based upon that. We're moving forward now, and this is a good thing. Well, there's another way to look at it. Everything that's happening now is not quite what it seems. It's not that the government is doing what it's supposed to do. It's the government is now dealing what it has already done. And I, let me put it this way. And here's the simplest way to put it. This. Look, whatever bill is passed, whatever organization is set up, whatever reports are required, whatever statement comes from this senator or that senator or anything else, anybody else. You must understand that the United States government has known about the presence of these ETs since no later than July of 1947 and possibly sooner. What is that that uh, acronym, that abbreviation you're using, ECT? What is that for people that don't know? I think I said ET, ET, ET presence, ET, okay. extraterrestrial presence, yes. Roswell was the real deal. 
It's been it was proven by the research it was done by a range of researchers, many many books, uh, with probably the absolute slam dunk with the uh, book by Don Schmidt and, and Thomas Carey called Witness to Roswell, and of course Edgar Mitchell made it stated several times it was real. Look, the government had a craft and it had ETs in 1947. And so those with a need to know in our government have been aware of this presence for 75 years. And I assure you, they have been studying, re-engineering or doing um, uh, uh, reverse engineering, uh, learning what they can about these ETs, the dead bodies. They, they may have had communication. I don't know, but they have been engaging this issue in the most secret levels of our national security apparatus for 75 years. When you say when you say the people within the government that are that need to know about this right. stuff and they've been aware of it, who are those people? Does it include presidents? Does it include directors of national intelligence? Does it include congressional committee chairmen? In your view, in your judgment, your opinion, your theory, who are the people that meet that need to know level? Over this whole period, going administration to administration, I think it varies. I think some presidents were fully informed. Some were not so informed. Some were not informed at all. Uh, over time, the the management of this issue, the engagement, the research, and everything else slowly slid out from under the, the appropriate congressional oversight and even out from under the president's reach as it got buried deeper and deeper because it is the most classified uh, issue in the United States government, enormous implications. Uh, and and when we talk about USAPs, this is a way of talking about where these things ended up, in a sense. A lot of the work ended up. Unacknowledged special access programs. Special access program means you need a special clearance in addition to your classified status to get in it. Unacknowledged special access means that uh, you need a clearance to get in, a special clearance to get in, and you cannot acknowledge that you're in it. You can't even refer to it. Mm. Uh, USAPs uh, are where this stuff is buried, and I believe that quite a few USAP programs, not not only involving UAPs but involving other things, have slid out from under congressional oversight. And and then and people in Congress have known this. Believe me, the number of people on Capitol Hill that know there's ETs here would startle you. I mean, if they suddenly just held up their hand, you go, are you kidding me? This has been a managed issue. It has been embargoed as a national security matter, a legal policy for a long time. Everybody sort of knows that. Right. And so they go along with it because to not go along with it is not to advance your career or maybe even not to be a, a patriot. Although although Harry Reid, uh, who was very vocal on this issue, proved that you can rise almost to the top levels of D.C., of the D.C. power structure and uh, and still talk openly about this stuff. Well, not exactly. No. You see, when Harry Reid got involved in this early on, he was actually involved all the way at the beginning of NIDS that was set up by by Robert Bigelow. He wouldn't talk about it. It had to be secret, and his name was not to be used. And when he set up the ATIP program or helped set it up by authorizing the funding for it, um, it was eventually run by Luis Elizondo. That was secret. He didn't tell anybody about it. It was only not that long ago that Harry came forward finally as part of the article, uh, the material that was sent to the New York Times. It created those historic articles on the front page, you know, December 16, 2017. At that point, though, uh, Harry Reid already knew that he had terminal I see. cancer. I see. Okay. 
So, but that's all right. The point is he did come forward. Bob Bigelow, uh, just in May of that year, 2017, went on 60 Minutes. That is ETs here. So, so believe me, there are people coming forward. There are people getting on board this issue. But here is the point that I'm trying to make. I'm not skeptical about how this thing is unfolding because I understand, I believe, why it's unfolding where others don't they, – they're taking it literally. So when the, when, when the National Defense Act calls for a report every year for the next, whatever, four or five years, so people, oh, my God, they're just going to do reports for four years and it's like Blue Book and it just be pushed down. No, no. What they, what they are doing – and this starts in 2017, everything that you see happening is moving towards congressional hearings, which is an absolute requirement in order to set the president up to be able to say, yes, there's extraterrestrials here. The president just can't get up one day and feel, I think, this is, I think I'm going to say something about it. No. The president's got to have a platform to stand on. It's got to be a political uh, basis for this, and it's also got to be transparent. And so hearings is what we've been trying to get to. That's what Mellon wants. That's what Luis Elizondo wants. That's what I want. Uh, and, and we are on the way. And the only reason we haven't had hearings by now is certain political developments and the worst pandemic in the history of the human race. So it's a little complicated. But so what the act did was to set up a public-facing infrastructure within the Congress it's going to do all the things that we were expecting, many of us were expecting that would have been set up 60 years ago, right? Not, not, not Project Blue Book was sort of like this, but it wasn't really this. Project Blue Book was something else, but still it was an investigation and people were pleased about it. This is much more appropriate than that. This is a full cross-agency, uh, high-level uh, in, uh, public facing infrastructure to deal with UAP. But understand, they already know what UAP are. So you're going to say, well, if they already know, why are we going through all this rigmarole? And that's where it gets interesting. Here is my, here is my assessment. Here's what I believe is the case. If somebody can prove me wrong. I'm happy to, to talk to them. In order to get to the pre in order to get this issue out and done and get out from under the truth embargo, you want to do it so there's minimal damage politically, the, the public is involved and it's transparent, it's orderly, and, and therefore it's going to have minimal Im a negative impact on our country. And in order to do that, oh, oh, by the way, and also you've got to deal with the fact that there are going to be huge public relations problems for all of these agencies, the Air Force and NASA and the DOD and many others who will in due course be confronted with reporters who are going to say, why didn't you tell us? Or if you didn't know, how is it conceivable you held the position you had and didn't know? These are going to be tough questions, and they're going to get asked them. There's no way around that. However, by, by going through these, these um, uh, measures that we're taking, by having hearings, by getting a, 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 an entity set up in the DOD, all of these things are being received well by the public. It shows that they're helping. It shows that they're on board trying to be part of the solution. And even though it's a bit of a show, right, it, it, it serves a good purpose. Uh, so in other words, I, I have to break. Disclosure needs to happen under right circumstances. I have to break. Can you hang around a, a bit more? 
Oh, yeah, sure. Great. All right. Uh, we're going to take your questions next for Stephen Bassett, Paradigm Research Group, 1-800-848-WABC. That's 1-800-848-9222. Now, wherever you come down on the question of UAP, there is no doubt about the numbers that we saw come out yesterday. Inflation increased 7% over the past year. That is the highest in 40 years. Inflation is here. Inflation is real on a monthly basis. The consumer price increase, uh, consumer price index increased half a percent. Now, what can you do about that once you acknowledge the plain reality that inflation is real? Well, you could put yourself in a position not to allow all the money that you've spent your whole life saving gets evaporated in a field of uh, inflation. How do you do that? Gold, silver, precious metals, gold, silver, precious metals. And the folks that can help you do that better than anybody and navigate that is legacy precious metals. If you have your money in an existing traditional retirement account, it's getting eaten away by inflation. If you have an existing retirement account, you need to think about rolling it into a gold or a silver IRA, and you should do so with legacy precious metals. Gold should be a part of every wise investor's portfolio right now. You see these inflation numbers as much as I do. Legacy is the company that you can trust because they give you unbiased information based on your individual situation. Contact Legacy Precious Metals today. Call 866-932-0635. Write this number down, 866-932-0635. Or you can visit the website LegacyPMInvestments.com. That's LegacyPMInvestments.com. You can request some information for free on that website. And when you do, they're going to ask you where you heard about it. Some you heard about it from me. Frank Morano, LegacyPMInvestments.com. We're going to continue with Stephen Bassett and take your questions in just a moment. 1-800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. WABC. The Other Side of Midnight presents The Midnight Files. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno, talking for the hour with Stephen Bassett, the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group and the leading advocate for UAP disclosure and ending the truth embargo regarding extraterrestrial contact, visitation, and so forth. We're going to take your calls at 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. Let me begin with Al in Manhattan. Al, what's your question for Stephen Bassett? Hi, Ms. Morano. Yes, uh, I have a question, a couple questions, if I may. Uh, first of all, we have uh, 
we had this uh, Tic Tac event off the Catalina, I believe. Uh, you have an aircraft carrier there, 5,000 sailors on board, and most of them have the cell phones. Why is it that we always get, like, just infrared pictures of these Tic Tacs traveling at speeds, and it's a one-month-long event, yet nobody, and I mean nobody, comes up with a picture and says, oh, there it is. And the other thing is this. We've got 194 countries in the world, 7 billion people. Many of them have cell phones. How come we can never get, like, a clear shot of something? Not that I don't believe that we're not alone here. I, I, do, I do believe we have visitors. But we've never said in, in these days when you see TikTok a million videos, we never can say. And another thing is this. Government organizations all leak, you know, like in the criminal system. Everything always leaks. How come nobody ever says, well, here's a picture of this or that? It's always, here's something in infrared traveling. I, I grant that's there, but why didn't those 5,000 sailors, not one of them, have a picture of it, a picture of a Loch Ness, a picture of a Bigfoot? That's what I always, my concern is in this modern day and age where everybody's got a camera. And the space shuttle and the station, they're always shooting down, and they never show a UFO up there. And we've been up there for 40 years or more. That's my concern. Stephen? Now, let's see. First of all, there have been many clear pictures of craft. And when these uh, are brought forward, they are just treated as being fake. In other words, if it's clear, it's fake. And if it's fuzzy, it doesn't matter. That's simply part of the truth embargo protocols. Uh, as far as the films you're referring to, those were gun camera uh, shots taken, from F taken by F-18s at sea. Um, so there weren't, wasn't much of a chance to take any cell phone shots. There is one cell phone shot that was taken from a cockpit that was interesting. And there was some film taken off of an aircraft carrier that was uh, some destroyers that were being preceded by drones. But overall, uh, we have enormous amount of footage of these craft taken by our military intercept planes that protect our airspace. Uh, all these intercepts are filmed using gun, what we call gun cameras. And those films are then shelved. I mean, they're taken back and they're cl completely classified. The three films, which were infrared and only a portion of the total uh, of film that was taken during those encounters, uh, were the first three gun camera footages ever formally released by any government in the world, ever. And there are thousands of these clips all over the world. Every, every major nation with an Air Force has got gun camera clips of these, inter these intercepts. So this was and one of the reasons you don't have more of that is the truth embargo. You're not supposed to get that. And, and if, you're, if you're working in the military, you take a shot of something with your cell phone camera and you dump something with it, your career is over. And the truth embargo has worked. It's very effective. And people are patriots and they want to, they want to do what's right. So those three gun camera footages are not the only footages available. Expect to see more, possibly when hearings are held. Um, and in addition to that, we have countless radar uh, logs where you have or the recordings of radar events where they're being picked up on radar and what have you. We have a huge amount of that kind of evidence with respect to this issue, more than enough that it should have launched massive congressional hearings 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But there's only been two one-day hearings in this entire time, 66 and 68. Why? There is a truth embargo. There, it is a, that is a term I came up to 
uh, to use instead of UFO cover-up, which is not the correct way to approach this or, 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 or talk about it. It is a full-fledged policy of the United States government managed extensively with substantial funding to contain the confirmation of this issue and any major engagement by our, by our people, by our acad- academics and so forth until such time as the U.S. government feels it's okay to let us know. And they've dragged their feet on this, and now the public is really putting pressure on them. And we're going to, I think, see some results. So it's – I understand your, your points are kind of true in a sense. Like why don't we get this and why don't we get that? It's not that there aren't ETs here. It's that the government has gone to tremendous lengths to mitigate any, any, any developments, to keep evidence from coming forward, putting strictures on the people in government. Uh, um, making it clear to pilots if they actually do report this stuff, they can lose their flying privileges, and on and on and on. There's a thousand pieces to the truth embargo. It's been it's been very effective, but I, I think it's all going to come clear pretty soon. Eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's one eight hundred eight four eight W A B C. Let's say hello to Diana in Manhattan. Hello, Diana. Hello. Uh, has Hollywood been conditioning all of us? to accept disclosure so that we won't have a war of the world's panic. In other words, have they been giving classified information to someone like Steven Spielberg so he can make a film like E.T. or something so that the rest of us will say, oh, well, we can accept this. What do you think? Great question, uh, Diana. It's not an illogical uh, conclusion. Uh, I uh, I take a middle position here. Uh, I know that uh, Hollywood... And filmmakers, the top filmmakers, they collaborate with the military all the time, all the time. And occasionally the military will have some requests, you know, in terms of how they maybe do some of the things in there in the film. But uh, that is not surprising, and it's been going on. Do I think that classified information is being given to Hollywood uh, producers so that they can do something special they otherwise couldn't do? No. Do I think that Hollywood has conditioned us on this issue? Yes. Do I think it was intentional, meaning they all got together and said, let's make a lot of films about E.T. so people will be conditioned? No. The people in this town, and I'm in this town right now, by the way, working on a pretty significant project, uh, these are very smart, creative people. And they've made and in this issue is one of the most uh, is, is, I believe, one of the highest grossing genre is in all of film and television. If you look at the numbers, they're pretty clear. And so they know the public is interested. They know it's real. And, you know, intellectually, I think they know it's real. So they've made tons of films. And all of those films have helped us to get used to the idea that we're not alone in this universe. And that's great. Was that their intention? I don't know. Uh, it may have been a little part in it. I think that some of the people who made these films probably thinking, you know, I know it's real. Uh, this film is going to help people maybe see that too. That's okay. But you're looking for some complex arrangement between the government and Hollywood in order to somehow manipulate us. No, it's Hollywood making films that people want to see, and we like to see films about an E.T., don't you know? 
Let me go back to what we were talking about a few minutes ago, this new office for UFO Mm -hmm. reporting, UAP reporting, that was created as a result of the National Defense Authorization Act. There have been a series of articles, you're quoted in several, that some in the UAP disclosure movement are unhappy about that. I'm wondering if you could just clarify or reiterate why they're unhappy about it. Does it go to what you were describing earlier, the level of distrust that exists within layers of the government? Well, yeah, look, there's plenty of distrust in the government, and they've given us plenty of opportunities to distrust distrust the government. And so you're skeptical just on that basis alone. But for those that know that the extraterrestrial presence is real and even know the government and know the government's known about that for 75 years, naturally, anything about we're going to start doing reports now and we're going to set up this office and that office and people are going, what are you talking about? Right. So in other words, they're looking at this literally and going, that doesn't make sense to me. You're going to try to pull another project blue, blue book, but. I don't see it that way. I think what they're doing is necessary in order to advance this right. process. Right, it's laying forward. the foundation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I call your your uh, listeners' attention to two historic press releases that came out. They're going to be they're going to be talked about in history for a long time. Uh, one came out on November twenty three, and one came out on December nine. So we're talking five and six weeks ago. And it's it's like this: the Gillibrand like Rubio in 2021, 2020 rather, uh, makes her move to also get involved. She's a Democrat. He was Republican. She puts in the language, which extends pretty much uh, further what uh, Rubio had already put in play in the previous NDAA. And in her case, she calls for a uh, them to set up a take that task force they had over at the uh, Office of Naval Intelligence, bring it in, call it what they want, and set up the real deal inside the DOD, right? which is what we expect it to happen and should happen. And she puts the language in, she lists a bunch of things they want. And, and then she says, look, uh, we'd like to have that set up by 90 days after this bill is signed. That's similar to what Rubio did. 180 days after the signing of that bill is when he, he, he requested that public and classified report. Okay, fine. So far, so good. But here's what happened. The Department of Defense did not wait until 90 days after the bill was signed to, quote, satisfy the requirements of that NDAA, National Defense Appropriation Act. They went ahead and announced it before the bill was even signed. They put out a press release on November 23 saying, DOD, this is the Department of Defense press release. When you do that, you own it. Okay, somebody writes an article about what you're doing, that's one thing. You put out a press release, you own this completely. DOD announces the establishment of the Airborne Object Identification and Management Synchronization Group, Synchronization Group, AOIMSG. And they go and dis- describe it. They make it quite clear that it's under the, uh, uh, the leadership of top people, including, uh, well, first of all, uh, the, the press release was released in coordination between the Director of National Intelligence and, and, the, and the Undersecretary of Defense, Kathleen Hicks. They make it clear that it's going to be part uh, of the Undersecretary uh, of Defense for Intelligence and, and Security. In other words, they're basically saying this is going to be operated at the highest level. But that's the most. That's not the least. That's not the most important thing here. The most important thing is that. They, they put it out immediately. Why did they do that? Why didn't they wait until the, quote, end of the deadline? Because this is about getting ahead of the game. This is about getting the DOD on board so the people, when this thing finally breaks, and it will break open, 
And by that, I mean disclosure. And by disclosure, I mean capital D confirmation. That's how I use disclosure, uh, not small d. Capital D, that's the event. That's the announcement from the president. All of this is setting up the DOD, and the hearings will do this as well for the Congress, so that the public will be comfortable with and they will look as good as possible when a 75-year truth embargo, where they've been lying to us all that time, is going to come to an end. That's what's going down. Now, the second press release comes out only about uh, 16 days later, two weeks. Now, this press release comes from none other than the office of Marco Rubio, Senator Rubio on the Intel Committee. He's the one that put the language in the 2021 sure. appropriations bill to call for the reports. So what does he do? Of course, the bill is signed now, so it's about the signing. He puts this out under his press release, his office, Ru- Rubio Gillibrand Gallego applaud inclusion of the unidentified aero phenomenon amendment. I'm, I'm rather they're 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 um, they're they're uh, uh, acknowledging that amendment going in in the national defense bill in this article. He lets us know that there were five sponsors of this bill. Rubio and Gillibrand, notable because both of them ran for president and intend to run again. Now, think about this. We have two people that ran for president that are formally putting their name and their political potential or career on the line by attaching themselves directly to this process underway. That is less than trivial. That is extraordinary. That tells you how far this is going. And then the other sponsors are none other than Roy Blunt and Martin Heinrich, who happens to be from New Mexico. And Blunt and Heinrich, Rubio and Gillibrand are all on the Intel Senate Intel Committee, the committee in Congress. And then just for the hell of it, they added Senator Lindsey Graham, who's a pretty well-known Republican senator. Five Who also ran for president. Yeah, you know, he did. Wait a minute. You're right. Three of them ran for president. So you, you have now these five senators sponsoring this bill that sets up that thing that was calling for the setting up of the program, which was actually announced for two weeks earlier by the Pentagon. In other words – they're literally getting ahead of themselves. They're falling over each other as they're moving forward. And then there's some statements in this uh, press release, all very positive, all forming around national security, because that's the basis on which the hearings will be held. Nothing wrong with that. Don't get, don't panic, right? Uh, these two press releases, if you have some understanding of the history of this issue, should be enough to let you know that we are in the end game, and what you can expect. And the timing will depend upon how fast the Omicron starts to peak and come down, and it will, right? Herd immunity, we're approaching it the hard way, but whatever it takes. The next thing, and it could have happened a lot sooner, but in addition to the pandemic, there have been some rather extraordinary political developments underway, I'm sure you're aware of them, that pretty much consuming the attention of the people on the Hill, as well as the, the um, political media. Uh, that, that, that's the way it is, but that will improve. That will get better. The next thing that's going to happen, I'm calling this right now, is the first hearing on this subject since 1968 will be called probably by several members of, they will announce it, several members will annu- simultaneously announce this from the Senate Intel Committee. That'll be the first hearing. They will say, we're going to hold a hearing, we're going to hold it at such and such a date. 
I happen to know the witnesses are already lined up for this thing. There's scores of them, right? And they're all military, one after another. Pilots, nuclear sack base officers, you name it, they're going to come in and they're going to tell you their stories, some of which we already know. But they're not telling them to you on Ancient Aliens or Unidentified on the History Channel. They're telling them to you in a congressional hearing under oath to the Senate Intelligence Committee with cameras everywhere and hundreds of millions of people watching. That's the next thing you're going to see happen. And it won't take many of those hearings, many hours of that, before the, 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 the public's situation on this, the public's disposition on this, and the information that is now fully, fully in their head, for the president to come forward and say, I, I can confirm the ET presence. And that's disclosure. That would be that would be something. Eight hundred eight four eight WABC. People are already queuing up to speak with you. You mentioned the role that Senator Rubio is playing in this. He was one of the Mm -hmm. people featured in that sixty minutes sixty minutes piece on this subject Mm -hmm. a few months ago. He was uh, Marco Rubio in that sixty minutes piece. Anything that enters an airspace that's not supposed to be there is a threat. You know, there's a stigma on Capitol Hill. I mean, some of my colleagues are very interested in this topic and some kind of, you know, giggle when you when you bring it up. But I, I don't think we can allow the stigma to keep us from having an answer to a very fundamental question. I want us to take it seriously and have a process to take it seriously. I want us to have a process to analyze the data every time it comes in, that there be a place where this is cataloged and constantly analyzed until we get some answers. Maybe it has a very simple answer. Um, maybe it doesn't. Now, the now we've got that process. The interesting thing to me about this is you mentioned Senator Gillibrand and Senator Rubio. We've also seen similar sentiments from people like Senator Mark Warner. How is it that, Stephen, in your opinion, as an astute observer of politics and anything related to UAP, how is it that this is seemingly the only bipartisan issue in Washington? Everything else seems to be in the neat little silo of Republican versus Democrat. This is an issue, as you've just stated, that has Democratic leading senators and presidential candidates working with Republican leading senators and presidential candidates. What is it about this issue that's bringing both parties? together very very important well first of all the reason it's nonpartisan is that it's absolutely a nonpartisan issue mm-hmm. think about well, it well so should a lot of things be terrestrial so should a lot of things be that that doesn't that doesn't well, always seem i don't know I, I again i mean maybe uh, this way everything ha- has the potential to be partisan and if you want to make it partisan, you can. This is a tough one. This is this this th- the presence of ETs transcends our politics and our religion, our finances, and everything else. It's the most profound event in human history that's coming. So it is fundamentally nonpartisan. It doesn't have a partisan history. The only partisan aspect of it is that those on the right may be more focused on the national security aspect of it than those on the left. But um, don't worry. They're not going to be trying to build – they're not going to suddenly say the Space Force needs a trillion dollars so that we can go fight the ETs and play Starship Troopers and crap. That's not going to happen, right? But the, these people are smart. Rubio not, believes he can still be president. He may even think this issue could be his ticket to the White House. Well, but, yeah, I, I was yeah. curious of how big of an issue you think this is going to be in the next midterm oh, election. Oh, it and almost the got Hillary election. Clinton in the White House. If she had, 
I was pressing her and pressing her in every way I could. I was sending reporters her way for almost two years. She was, she was forced to come out of cover. She talked about it a number of times. If she had really run with it, she'd have been president. But she didn't have the nerve to go that far. She, it was, it just, she couldn't do it. Obviously, Rubio is in a different frame of mind now, but it's more than just that. Look, there are plenty of people on Capitol Hill that are complete raving idiots. This, this happens. We have 535 people. 435 have to get reelected every year. People get in. Strange people get in. Eh, nothing strange about that, but right, unusual, but right now it's pretty intense. The point is, is that politics is degraded pretty, pretty far in the U.S. It's become gridlocked. It's, it's uh, going nowhere. Everybody is acting badly All right. and extremely partisan. Stephen, now, a lot of people, a lot of people very eager to talk with you. I have to take one more break, though. Don't move. Sure. Hold that thought. We're going to continue with Stephen Bassett in just a minute. We have one open line if you want to try and jump on board. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. <laughs> The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano, 77 WABC. side of midnight it's been a fascinating hour with Stephen bassett a lot of people eager to talk with him he is the executive director of paradigm research group if you want to learn more about what he's doing and if you want to support the work that he's doing you can go to paradigmresearchgroup.com they are the org uh, org excuse me uh, they are the leading group representing the people's right to know the truth regarding an extraterrestrial ter- presence engaging the human race. want to squeeze in as many calls as possible in the next 10 minutes. Let me begin with Jim in upstate New York. Hello, Jim. Hey, Frank. Hey, Steve. How you doing? Hi, Jim. Um, I remember Obama when he first be- – when he, uh, he gave an interview about when he first became president. There's a thing called Deep Secrets that he was told, and it just freaked him out so much. He said he wanted to jump out the window and run down the road. And then I remember when he, he was laughing that when how he thought Trump was going to react when he was told these deep secrets that are just so mind-blowing. If UFO secrets are part of those deep secrets. But that was one thing. The other thing, too, is I remember reading somewhere where they found hieroglyphics in caves of drawings of, of UFOs that and that the Egyptian pyramids could have never been built by the technology that the Egyptians had at the time, the weight of the stones and the accuracy of the pyramids themselves. And one more thing. <laughs> I remember a story about Jackie Gleason was friends with Pre- uh, President uh, Nixon. And Nixon mm-hmm. actually took him to see the, um, the alien craft that are at Area 51. Just what are the your bodies, thoughts on those things? The bodies. He took him to the see bodies, the bodies, okay. not the craft. Okay. True story. Yeah. Um, look, we, we, you're, you're just an example of someone that knows some pretty good stuff there. And, and the, there's much more than that. Uh, and all of this is just sitting under that truth embargo, waiting to finally get out. And, but we have to puncture that balloon. We have to get there. 
And the point I was making just before the break was this. If you want to describe American politics today, which is almost in an unprecedented place, imagine you're in a four-wheel drive in which the front two wheels are trying to drive you forward, but the back two wheels are trying to drive you backward. And there's a dead skunk in the back seat. That's pretty much our politics now. It's awful. There are a lot of people on the Hill that are wanting to uh, lead the country. They want to see things get better. But the political situation is awful. These, some of these people are beginning to figure out that the, ending this truth embargo, which is way past nuclear weapons, uh, underdeveloped countries are not really in play. The Soviet Union and communist China had no desire to announce this because they felt that would that would undermine the kind of control state they have. We're, we're going to so have to end it the there, uh, Stephen. Yeah. Uh, promise me you'll come back soon. Uh, there's a lot more ground to cover. A lot of people want to talk to you. I have pages of questions for you as well. Let's do this again in the future. Next time. Until next hour, uh, Frank Diaz is next with the news. Keep asking questions.